Hello, friends. This is Dave Pasqualone with the Remarkable People Podcast, Season 1, Episode 13, The Kyle Winkler Story. The Remarkable People Podcast. Check it out. Remarkable People Podcast. Listen, do, repeat for life. Kyle, thanks for being here today. Thanks so much, Dave. This is great. Yeah, man, it's good to have you here. It's good to be here with you. Yeah, just so you know, as our audience, you have a special treat today. Kyle and I have been friends for, oh man, how long now? I was just trying to think of that. It's 2006 nine maybe i was thinking it has to be about a decade yeah i mean time flies and that was in when we met was in you know something different than i'm doing now but it almost seems like a different life ago in in some ways but this is so exciting to see you grow in this and everything you're doing as well yeah and likewise and just so you guys know as a listener kyle today you know he's a teacher he's an author he's a content creator he has a killer app that you're going to hear about. He's a speaker that goes around to churches and even corporations to inspire people, and especially with a focus on teenagers, teaching them how to victory over fear and insecurity and anxiety in the past. But when I met Kyle, he's like a tech genius mastermind. <laughs> he's got a thousand things going on, and his brain probably forgets more and processes faster than I can try to I keep to that keep all up. quiet nowadays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So don't, don't run with tech questions. But, but what I wanted to let you guys know is today we're going to go through the same format as normal. Kyle, what we're going to do is you're going to share your story, okay. uh, the problems, the uh, challenges, the obstacles you had to overcome, and then there's no time limit. It's as the Spirit leads, as you see fit, and we're not going to go oh, too long. Oh, that's dangerous for we speakers. Dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we're not going to go too long. We're not going to go too short. We're going to give the practical steps, too of not just what you face, but how you overcame it. So myself and all the listeners, we can do it too. Yeah. And then we'll transition to where you are today and where you're headed tomorrow so we can help you grow. I love that. All right. And let's do I'm it. I'm ready. Man. Let's do this. Let's do this. So tell us about the past. Where, where was Kyle Winkler born? No. <laughs> well, <laughs> go I back as far as you start all the way back to potty training, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was 2.30. I was born <laughs> while Woody Woodpooker was on. I was TV. born at an early age. Yeah. <laughs> but... As I said, I, I do. I go back to potty training because so much of the childhood issues, even things that we can't always remember sometimes, I think they they make up a lot of the issues and the insecurities that we face in our adult lives. But I was always just very shy and very timid for whatever reason. I can't really pinpoint why except for just personality things. And so what, what happened was when I was... In preschool, I was a preschool dropout. I mean, who's ever heard of that, you know? Actually, <laughs> I, I did. I was did, scared my grandmother and mom were going shopping without me, right? and I refused to go. Well, you you were about the only other person I met that, that claims that title as well. That's so why we get along. in good company. That's right. But I cried and I cried till my mommy let me out of my first year of preschool. And then in kindergarten, first grade, because as I said, all the timidity and the shyness and everything just made me always kind of feel like an outsider, always feel like I didn't fit in, and kids didn't want to be friends with the kid that didn't talk. Mm-hmm. And so I was the one that was the loner and the one sitting alone at the lunch table and picked last for just about everything, all the groups, all the sports teams, everything. So what ended up happening as I got older is it went from feeling like I'm dealing with 
feelings of shyness or feelings of insecurity to, I took it on as an identity. This is who I am. I'll mm. always be the outcast. I'll always be the reject. I'll always be the misfit. I'll always be the one that just seems too weird or too different or whatever. And so what you believe about yourself ends up dictating how you behave. And so because I believed this was the kind of person I was, therefore I held myself back. I didn't put myself out there in friendships and social situations. So what I expected continued to just be replicated in my life. Okay. And that ended up causing, you know, all kinds of issues well into my early adult years until I started to really figure out how do I deal with this stuff and how do I overcome this stuff. And so it really plagued me with a lot of fears, a lot of mind games, as I said, a lot of insecurities that just kept me back from what I believe, or at least tried to thwart and delay what I believe was the call of God on my life from early on. Let me ask a couple of questions about that. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Southern Missouri, Southern small Missouri. town. 6,000 people at the time. I think it's exploded to 8,000 now today. Huge growth. Yeah. <laughs> but so, yeah, in, in a very, a real traditional religious kind of community where everybody did kind of one of two things if you were younger, is you, you played some sort of sport or you farmed or something like that. And so neither of those I was very interested in. And mm -hmm. as you said in the introduction, I was always kind of a techie person. My nose was in the computer, and in those days especially, that was not the popular thing. You know, I was, I was computers and technology and internet and all that stuff before any of that was cool. Yeah. And so that labeled me, on top of everything else, a nerd and a geek, and, you know, so there are all kinds of labels that people called me and I eventually took on myself, which just created all kinds of insecurities, as I said. Yeah, I always think about the Dire Straits song, and he talks about the moving do you remember that song? No, I don't. Dire yeah, Straits. Dire Straits, a band from the 80s. Okay. okay. They're talking about a rich, geeky guy with a ponytail. And they say around the song, I don't want to offend anybody, but today we're so sensitive to all the words. But back then in the middle of the song, oh, yeah. they're like, you know, that guy's a faggot. He's yeah. sitting there on his computer and he's, right. he's making money and he's rich. And I'm sitting here moving furniture. That's the, yep. the message. Like, I'm manly moving furniture. And, and that's the kind of thing it would have been. Yep. 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 And that's the kind of thing that, you know, I faced all the time because I didn't excel in certain things that were popular amongst my peers. They called me all those names and they, they said, you know, they called you a girl, they call you weak, they call you all kinds of things, which is humiliating to somebody, yeah. especially at that age and at that time. And so that just further put me back into my shell to where I was just determined, well, I'm never going to pursue friendships. I'm never going to put myself out there because when I do, I'm just going to be rejected. So I had a, an identity of rejection, a rejection complex that as I said earlier, I expected to be rejected because of what happened in the past. So therefore, that's just kind of what always happened. Now, what was your home life like? Home life was fine. I had a great home life, actually. Yeah, mom My parents and dad were both great. There? Mom and dad, both very present, very good people. Three older brothers, which always older brothered me. <laughs> and they were, they were quite a bit older. My oldest one, 12 years older than me. The closest one to me is like eight years older than me. So... There's quite oh, wow. the gap there, but for a number of years after they left the household, I guess you could say I was kind of like an only child in the household for a while, except on weekends or holidays. 
But I think that also created kind of a maturity into me as well mm-hmm. that I had at a young age because they were coming home and they were always talking politics or talking business or something like that. So I was always around that kind of conversation as well, which only fed into the not feeling and fitting into everybody else my age because <laughs> I was always thinking kind of 10 or 20 years above, you know, kind of what they were thinking at the mm-hmm. time. So it's just, you know, a lot of things went into creating all the things that I was dealing with. And it made you who you are today. But right. Back then, you didn't feel like you fit. Right. And that's what I'll say today is do I, would I want to relive some of the things that I went through back then? No. But do I regret them? No, because they did make me into who I am today. So God used it all as he does. He takes the bad and he turns it into good. And I can certainly say a lot of the so much, probably 90% of the ministry that I have today comes from the things that I faced back then and helping other people who are dealing with those things find the freedom and the victory like I did. Amen. And then at that time, one more question about the past. Did your mom and dad and brothers, did they try to help you be less shy? Did they tease you? Did they understand? Or was that just, again, the norm was, hey man, why are you shy? Talk up. This is the interesting thing with that is yes, they would see that I was timid, just a classic introvert Mm -hmm. whenever we'd go to family things, but they didn't know the extent to which I dealt with a lot of this stuff because I would hide it at home because there was shame involved. Mm -hmm. Because I believe because of these insecurities and because of things that people said about me that I was someone who was wrong. And that's the classic definition of shame, by the way, is you take that on as somebody that is wrong. This is who I am. And so I was so afraid of them figuring that out, realizing that nobody liked me at school. Nobody wanted to be friends with me. I was so embarrassed about that, that I didn't let them in on it. For an example, I would not tell my mom on days that parents were invited to school, special parties, class things, parent days. I would keep that from her so that she couldn't come in and see me in my pitiful condition. See me all alone. See me so shy. Nobody wanting to talk to me. And she used to think that I was embarrassed of her. So Mm. she ended up taking that on as herself. Something was wrong with her. That created shame in her. When really, she didn't learn until I think I mentioned it on a TV program of all things. Years later. Years later, like a couple years ago, maybe five years ago, maybe or so, that it was, I was ashamed of me. I was afraid that she would see who I really was. Mm. That's interesting you say that. I'm laughing. Obviously, we can't see each other on the camera. (laughs) But Kyle and I were just talking about before this interview, we were catching up and talking about some things. And I was saying how I, I podcast and there's no video involved consciously. And that's something that like Kyle and I were joking about. And then now what's really funny is the introverted kid who was so shy that you couldn't even tell your parents, now your whole calling is public. <laughs> it is. It is. It, it, that is. That's exactly, it's a classic of what God does when you go into the scriptures and things. You see, he takes the people that felt like they were nobodies or they were nobodies in the culture and he turns them into somebody's. Yeah, it's and cr- he gives them a voice and he gives them an influence. And it's not really anything that I was seeking out for myself so much. Yeah, you weren't it, trying to compensate. It's just the path God had. For right, you. right. And, and he totally flipped the script. And now it, it is. It's just something now that I, I tell God now, even today, anything that I go through, I say, okay, God, if I'm going to have to go through this, 
use it as something that can help somebody else out later. Mm-hmm. That's a dangerous prayer because then you'll go through things because God wants to use your story to help other people out. That's the primary way that he uses ministry is through stories. But, but that is what happened from my past is God has used the story when I got not afraid to talk about it, when I overcame the shame. And he's now raised up that voice to be an influence to people who are going through the same or similar things. And so I praise God for all that. And like I said, I, I can't regret the past anymore because it's made me who I am and it's given me something to say. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, so now you're a typical introverted teenager. <laughs> That's right. And you're growing up in high school's clicking through and every kid's thinking the same stuff pretty much. Yep. What am I going to do? Who am yep. I going to marry? Where am I going to live? You know, where am I going to college? Yeah. So in your mind, this must be just exponentially more intense. Am I correct in that? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I also put a lot of pressure on myself just because of who I am. And I think there was being often rejected you do have a craving for acceptance. You often crave what you didn't get as a child. Mm-hmm. And so I had these wounds in me that were craving for acceptance and craving certain things. And so I put all this pressure on me that I had to have the perfect path, the perfect purpose, the perfect everything. So especially as a teenager, so I'm, I'm really racking my brain to figure this out and make sure that everything is lined up correctly. And maybe that I can do something that is going to get people to accept me or to like me and fill that void that I didn't get as a child. So where do you go from there? Well, what happens to me is this is really kind of the turning point, the kickstart to the turning point in my story here is I'm 16 years old. And just as you said, dealing with all the added insecurities of teenage life. But some friends of mine, and really they were acquaintances at that time, but they invited me to their church youth group. I was raised a very liturgical tradition, like I said, small town, traditional town, 90% of the people were the same thing that I was. And and what were you defining? It, it was Catholic. Okay. Yeah. And I'm not a Catholic basher or anything like that. It's just where I was. No, my family's from Italy. I grew up oh, in America. Sure, yeah. I mean, you know. New England. Right, Everybody right. Was, you're, right. You're Catholic, and, and you're our, Protestant. our town was literally established to be a seminary for priests. There's a big seminary there. It's no longer really active. It's now a retirement community for the priests. But that's what it was established for. So everybody was that. So that is what we knew. I always say I was Catholic born, Catholic bred. And my parents, they had their way when I died, be Catholic dead. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that was the path they wanted. But I was in southern Illinois, right along the Mississippi River. So Illinois was 15 minutes away. Hey, can we pause one second? There's listeners of all sorts of backgrounds and worldviews listening. Sure. And what Kyle and I are talking about casually, I want to make sure we clarify. We're referring, we're not saying Catholics are evil and bad. That's right. We're referring to the religion, the church religion as a whole, not the church of God, not right. God himself, not that, or not the people. There's good and bad in all kinds. You can Absolutely. Put, so I just want to clarify that. If you are Catholic, we're not saying all Catholics are evil and horrible. That's we're I just, know great Catholics. Yes. 
I know great Protestants, I know bad Protestants, I know, you know, there's, there's something in everything. I'm talking about really the structure. We're talking about religion and the structure, yeah. Right, I right. just want to clarify that, because some, everybody, like if I said the word church, every single human on the planet will have a different That's right. emotional feel just from that word, church. Some people are thinking very positive things in relief. Some people are thinking, man, that's a horrible place. But the fact is, it's just a word. It's the emotion from our history that carries through. That's so right. So that's why I didn't mean to disrupt you, but I no, do want to clarify that. No, that's that. good. I like that. Often I won't even say what it was because I don't want yeah, to yeah. come across uh, in any, any particular way. But it is part of my story. And as I was saying, some acquaintances of mine at the school at the time, they were going to another kind of a church across the river in Illinois, and they invited me to the youth group. And finally, after like the fifth invite, I didn't have any more excuses. And I was like, okay, I'll go. And so I went, and that, as I said, was a turning point because I experienced something I didn't experience in the structure that I was in before. Before, how I saw my relationship with the Lord was more like God was up in heaven and he was just looking at every which way that I was making a mistake and going to zap me dead for my every mistake. <laughs> I'm laughing because that's how I grew up. Too. Yeah. And Jesus was just the extent of it was he was this past plaster of Paris figure that hung up on a, on a wooden cross that had an awful scowl on his face that looked like he was ready to take out his bad day on me. Mm-hmm. And so I was afraid of God more than anything, Mm -hmm. not a healthy fear of the Lord. It was something that God was at a distance from me. So I go to this church, which is just a classic non-denominational church, Christian, and there is a vitality and energy and a life to how they talk about Jesus that in the structure that I grew up in, I didn't have before. And they talked about this Jesus as if he was somebody, as I said, alive, but he was somebody that had power to help change me, had power to help me overcome the things that I was facing, the fears that I was facing, the insecurities that I was facing. And so there was no warm-up period for me. Some people, it takes them a little bit to get used to that kind of thing. For me, I was like all in. I wanted everything that this Jesus they talked about had to offer. And I went in full speed ahead. And so at that point, I say that that was a turning point, a major, the pivotal turning point that things built on after that. Mm -hmm. Because I started to hear what God thought about me. I started to hear His truths. I started to hear that I'm not what I feel. I'm not what I fear. I'm not how I fell. They elevated God's word in my life to be my reality. And so I learned that God loves me. God has a plan for me. Ephesians 2.10, God calls me his masterpiece. All of these things. So instead of, this wasn't an overnight process, I understand. And I, I have to tell people that so that they don't beat themselves up and think, what's wrong with me? I'm not getting this overnight. This was an overtime process, but it was kick started here just by the understanding God's word is more real than what I feel. Mm -hmm. As I said, I'm not those old things. It changed my identity. 
from I am a reject, I am an outcast, I am somebody that no one will like, to first and foremost, the most important thing in my life is that I am accepted by God. God calls me part of His family. As a matter of fact, even knowing the good, the bad, and the ugly of my life before I was ever born, God still decided to bring me into existence and adopt me into His family through Christ. Mm -hmm. And so I made that the foundation of my identity. And from that basis of knowing, as I said, that I am accepted and loved by God, regardless of what everybody else had said in the past, regardless of everything that I felt, that built a godly confidence that really started the change in my life. And it was a change that was a decade process of building upon that, but that was the beginning. That was the turning point of it, a relationship with Jesus. Yeah, that's where things just like the epiphany, the catalyst. Right. Let me ask you a question about that then. So you're 16. You're introduced to Christianity in a way that you've never experienced before. You immediately saw something different in it and you embraced it and it began to change your life. As that was happening, what was going on in your home? How were your parents responding? <laughs> they were not happy. Yeah. <laughs> they were not happy. Because as I said, this was a community that only knew Christianity within a certain construct. Everything else was taboo. Mm -hmm. Everything else was unknown. And so I come home that night from the youth group. It was a Wednesday night, end of January 2001. I'll never forget it. And I'm all excited that I'm wanting to grow in the faith. Mom and dad are going to be happy. Who doesn't want their child? You know, a Christian parent who doesn't want their child to be more interested in the faith. Yeah. Well, they were not happy because it was bucking the old family tradition, like that old Hank Williams Jr. song, I went and ruined the old family tradition or however it goes. That's, that's <laughs> what it was like to them. They were afraid, oh, what if this gets out? What are... Their brothers and sisters, my aunts and uncles going to think, or my brother's going to think he's off the deep end. There are things now that he doesn't want to do. There were things that I said, I don't want any part of anymore. Things I wouldn't touch, you know, all kinds of stuff that, that come with a transformation like that. And so they just, they just thought that this was really the worst thing in the world. I was probably the best behaved of the brothers, and suddenly I was the biggest black sheep in the family because I had turned my back or was turning my back on everything that they knew mm -hmm. in their faith, everything that was important to them. Yeah, I'm laughing because, you know, again, the camera can't see the smile. It's just, <laughs> I remember at one point in my life, very similar, uh, when I was 15, started going to a church. Pastor was always in the basketball telling us, hey, come on in, playing with us, knocking on our doors, inviting us to youth group. And when I finally went, it was like like mm. a complete change, 180, 100%. But I remember there was one point in my life where I'm probably closer to... I mean, I was so close to God, in love with Him, uh, like what you quote-unquote a good person, no problems. Like I'm doing everything yeah. that like a parent would be... This would be like ideal situation for a parent, right? Yeah, yeah. And I got grounded to go to <laughs> youth funny. group, but I could go out with my friends till 2 a.m. if I wanted that, yeah. to party. Yeah, 
That's hilarious because that is how it, that's how it felt. Yeah, they would at, at that time. I think my parents would have loved to see me take on some of the ways of the world just so they could think that I'm normal. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And but the thing is, I was when I was living in the world, I was miserable. Right. When I was with Christ, I was joy and peace and happiness. Yes. And sincere and real. Yes. And I'm like, wait, I'm getting grounded for this. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand it. Yeah. And they're like. You're being brainwashed, my mom. That's, I remember that. Oh, yeah, right. and I'm like, I'm not brainwashed, I'm bloodwashed. And this Ooh. is great. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I feel joy for the first time in my life, and you're telling me to stop? Yep. I'm like, wait a second here, something's not right. And then, you know, things changed, and my mom started coming to church. And So what happened with your family? Have they ever embraced Christianity, or are they still? They have, yeah. They have in their own personal ways. I mean, they're still all part of the same structure they were before but they have they've experienced the faith to levels that they hadn't before mm-hmm. i i drug them along to things over time <laughs> that yeah. probably stretched them as well but instead of take your mom to school day you're taking her to work yeah it day. was it was take them to church I, <laughs> I mean there were all kinds of things that would be probably a whole different interview really that i could i could talk about as they were trying to, I think, is is kind of especially the first year in it when, when they're like, okay, this isn't really a phase. He keeps going back to this. And then there were certain nights I remember there was a music night where it was nothing but a Friday night where they were singing songs in the church. Mm-hmm. And I invited them to that because I thought, oh, my mom likes music. Surely she'll like that. Well, that was a little bit more of energetic <laughs> worship than they were probably used to. So I think their eyes were a little bit more open at that point and just different things over the years. But I'll say that as it went on and I learned how to talk to them and get out of my overzealousness of beating them down on everything that I thought was wrong with what they believed, because that's that's what happened, mm-hmm. is I came home, they rejected me. Here I was rejected by my peers in school and now I'm rejected by my family. And now I get defensive and I react immediately as, well, this is what you believe that's wrong. Mm-hmm. And then they, they don't take that well, of course. you know. Then they put their walls up and everything and it just kind of spirals out of control for there. So eventually I learned how to talk to them and dialogue with them. And they started to see the fruit in my life that it was actually helping me. Mm-hmm. They started to see me come out of my shell. They started to see, wait a minute, he's people that he's hanging out with. There are things, events that he wants to go to now. Mm-hmm. So I said, I didn't do that stuff before. I was afraid to be around people. Yeah. So now they see that, okay, something is changing in my life. And it was the fruit that did the talking. And that was the biggest change and the biggest way that really I reached them to get them to kind of experience God in their own ways and have more of a personal relationship with Jesus than they ever had before. And let's stop there. So that is that was my first real interview question is right there. And I'm so glad you just said that. So your problem at that point in life, the obstacle was you had a dramatic life change and your family was rejecting you. You guys mm. were not on board. And right. So for the practical steps, for the teenagers listening now, for the adults, for the people who just trusted Christ or, you know, they're not communicating with their family well. What practical steps, looking back, would you tell the young Kyle or what can you tell our audience? How do you deal with that kind of change? Well, the first thing that I would say, and I'll preach on this sometimes, is 
be a witness, don't be obnoxious. I thought I was being a witness by beating down everything that they believed, by you know, pinpointing everything that I thought was wrong. When in truth, I was coming against them and everything they, they knew, what could I expect except for them to get real defensive mm-hmm. and be worried about suddenly what I was getting into. So the best thing that I could have done at that time is to shut my mouth. And what eventually happened is to let the fruit do the talking. We get born again or saved on fire, filled with the Spirit, whatever you want to call it. And we get all excited and I get that I was there. We get passionate and we think everybody has to know and hear and experience what I did. Mm -hmm. And then we get overzealous. And that's where we get into making mistakes. They weren't there. They didn't hear what you heard. They didn't see what you heard. They're, they're, they're probably not going to understand that, that moment that changed you. So the best thing that you can do is, is to live out that change in front of their eyes in a way that is not offensive and defensive to them, in a way that doesn't come against them. Mm-hmm. But let the Holy Spirit do the work in their life. The Holy Spirit is 24-7 working on people. He's sensitive to know the right timing and the right ways that are going to work for them. Let him do it. You don't have to force it. And so that's always step number one for me is just as I said, close your mouth, (laughs) wait upon the Lord, let your fruit do the talking, And then just watch, watch what God does. He'll work and change on the hearts a whole lot better than you can. I always say that God will do in 10 seconds what you couldn't do in 10 years of arguing, persuading, and defending yourself. His mm-hmm. timing is always worth the wait. And for you, you're saying be who God made you to be, be consistent, be loving, That's and right. then just basically actions speak louder than words. That's right. If you love them, love them. But leave it up to the Holy Spirit to meddle where you shouldn't and change what you can't. It's just that simple. Love them throughout it. Mm-hmm. And be patient with it. And yeah, when, this, when God prompts you to say things, absolutely you have to be obedient. There's a time for boldness. Mm-hmm. There's a time to be courageous. There's a time to say things, but there's also a time to just back up and just as I said, let God do the work in their life. You don't have to force it. And that was really where I saw, as I said earlier, the biggest change in my parents is when I backed up and I let God do the work. And just be who God made you to be. That's right. Receive my acceptance from Him. And again, for the listeners, we're not saying condone evil. If somebody's going out getting right. drunk and beating it's their not spouse, that kind of thing. we're not saying, hey, that's okay. God no. loves you. Right. But we're talking about the everyday, you know, someone does something that we wouldn't necessarily agree with. You don't have to say that's wrong. That's between them and God. You just keep being who you are. Is that correct, Kyle? That's right. Yeah. And don't take it on as personal rejection. God is your vindicator. That Mm -hmm. was something I learned very early on, which helped me in my rejection issues. It helped me with my family. Still helps me today. When somebody doesn't get what I'm doing or they don't agree with me or 
they reject me for some reason because of something that I know isn't true, something I know isn't right, I say like David did, God, you are my vindicator. To vindicate means to show somebody right, reasonable, or accepted. And so first and foremost, my vindication, my acceptance, my rightness, it comes from God. I don't really, it, it's great to have it from other people, of course, I'm not going to lie, I'm human, that feels good, mm -hmm. but you don't need it. When your foundation is, God, my acceptance is in you, you will show me to be right. If I am right, you will show me to be right. In your timing, I don't need to beat somebody else down so that they see it my way or they accept me. You'll bring me acceptance and favor with the people that I need it from in the right timing. Amen. So now at this point in your life, you were shy and felt isolated and alone. And now you have this peace and this relationship with God. But now you're getting isolated a little bit from your family. So it's a different <laughs> it's from type. from all directions. It's a different type of aloneness. Right. So at this point, were you able to form a bond and have that sense of community and fellowship with the youth group or someone in the church? Or was it still, you were even outside from them. Like now you had God and that's really all we need. But was that, was a bridge being made anywhere or yes. were you, you still alone? No, there was a bridge being made. Of course, rejection from the family and your loved ones can be even a more hurtful rejection because they're the ones you expect should love you. And so I did have that feeling and that did cause me to cling all the more to the Lord, which was good for me probably at that time because I developed a maturity and a character because of that that I wouldn't have had before. Mm -hmm. Our alone times with God can be very good for us when we're, especially we look back in hindsight and we're on the other side of it. But at the same time, there was a community that was developing. God created us to be in relationship with other people as well, with himself and with other people. And that church, that youth group, that community was also affirming me in ways, believing in me in ways that I didn't even believe in myself. And this is kind of I've told them this before when I've spoke back at that church. They didn't even realize they were doing it, <laughs> but there was a power in it is when I was shy and insecure and I did a decent job of hiding it, as I said, because I was ashamed of it. So they didn't really always see it in certain ways. I covered it up, but they saw something in me as leaders, as youth leaders. They saw something in me that I didn't see. I didn't believe in myself and they pulled it out of me. And that affirmation that I got from them did wonders as well. Mm -hmm. Because then they invited me into leadership roles. They called on me to do things. They asked me to do things. And just the type of person that I was, I ended up rising to the level of those things. And so now I had a foundation of confidence in who I was in Christ, loved, complete, accepted in Him, but I was also getting belonging and acceptance and affirmation from his people, mm -hmm. which is an incredible com com combination. Mm -hmm. When you know God accepts you and you also experience that belonging from his people, then the growth really started to happen at that point. Yeah, 100%. And then I don't know about you, I remember when the change was going on me, the, the, what God used was a man who wasn't necessarily like, he wasn't perfect by any means. He had issues, we all do, right? But he took the time to spend with me and answer yeah. my questions. 
And that was that. Yes. Somebody loves me. Somebody cares yes. about me. Somebody wants to spend time with me. Right. And they're not getting paid and they're not doing it in return. <laughs> and that really gave me a sense of worth. Like, wow, why is this guy pouring his life into me? What's he seeing me? Right. And that, yeah, I can totally get. And for the listeners out there, some of you have had that happen and you know exactly what we're talking about. And some of you are thinking, well, you know, I wish that would happen to me. And I have my own thoughts on that. But Kyle, what do you say? That person listening right now, they're totally discouraged. They feel alone. They really don't feel like they have worth. What do you say to them right now? Well, the first foundational truth is you have to understand who you are in Christ. Because that will give you confidence when nobody else is giving you confidence. As I said, and I can't say this enough, God's word is more real than what you feel. And he says that you are accepted. He says that you are complete. He calls you his masterpiece. Build your foundation first on that. And then the next thing is, is to find a community of like-minded people that you're going to experience belonging in. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that is going to take some intention. That is going to take some diligence. You're going to click with some people and you're not. And it doesn't need to be a lot of people. I still am, I mean, my personality is still naturally an introvert. <laughs> but I have learned that it doesn't have to hold me back. And I have learned that it doesn't have to be something that I'm ashamed of or something that has to be cast out of me or whatever, that God can use that as a gift. Mm -hmm. He gave me a personality and so he can use that and it ends up glorifying him all the more. But you don't have to have a lot of people, just find one or two people. Mm -hmm. And thankfully God brought that for me and I found that. And yeah, I had to take some steps. I had to step out of my comfort zone. I had to go to some things eventually that I had to go to afraid. I had to do things afraid in order to find some of those people. I was able to do that because I knew what God believed about me. Yeah. And then I took the steps from there. And it took time. Yes. And it was a process. Absolutely. Okay. You have to be willing to go through the process. Yes. And if it was easy, everybody would, be... everybody would do it. Yeah. It is not easy. <laughs> and I don't try to sell people some sort of easy thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, yeah. I would love to tell you you're going to get your drive-through breakthrough or your microwave maturity or whatever it is. You can sit on the couch and you can just wish for it, but you don't get it by wishing. Mm -hmm. It takes diligence. It takes effort. It is going to take getting out of your comfort zone. There is no way around it. And doing. And doing. Yeah, the Bible says that talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. Yeah. And most people are like, what the heck does that mean? <laughs> it means talk is cheap. You've got to right. do. You know, commit That's your right. works unto the Lord and thy thought shall be established. What Kyle's saying to you as a listener, listen, if you're 14, 44, or 64, even if you're 94, if you feel alone, I know personally in my life, I remember as a teenager, never, even as an adult, never feeling like I fit. Mm -hmm. I didn't fit with people who were wild. I didn't fit with people who were Christian. I didn't fit with anybody it seemed. And I remember not just praying a couple of times or for a couple of months. I remember praying for years to have Christian friends that I fit with. Yeah. And that, you know, were friends and like people I could trust. And I'm not going to lie to you. I prayed for years. 
at some points I thought, God, you're a loving God and <laughs> you're not a liar and you promise, but when's this gonna happen? And then, I, man, I had some good friends, don't get me wrong. In, in high school, I had my neighbors and like people I was real close to, like brothers. But I never had that group of friends that mm -hmm. I see other people having. And then now, I thank God, I have so many yeah. friends, good friends. Yeah. Not friends that hang out when times are good, but friends are there to pick, not just pick you up, but protect you when you're yes. being beat, pick That's you right. up when you're on the ground, and help you get back on your feet, and then celebrate together. Yeah. So sometimes we don't know God's reasons, but there's a plan, so don't quit, don't give up. And I want, Cal, I want you to chime in on this. What I've learned, and I want to see if you agree, the more extraordinary a person is, the more unique you yeah. are, the harder it is to find your people. Absolutely. I still today will catch myself saying, Lord, I just don't feel like I fit with anybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could, probably last week I was saying that even in some of the Christian circles because I... <laughs> I tried for 30 some years to be normal and I realized it wasn't really working out for me. So finally I decided <laughs> just to be me, yep. you know, but, and that's something that God impressed upon me a couple years ago as I was looking at people. And I said, oh, I wish I could be more like this. And I wish I need to be like this. And I started to take some of that on mm -hmm. and maybe take on some of their personality or their style or whatever. And God just really impressed upon me to stop that. And one thing he said is, he said, use the gift of you. He said, I have given you a personality, a style, and a story to reach people that others can't with theirs. Use the gift of you. Mm -hmm. I want to say that to whoever's lifting or listening. Have you thought about that? That who you are is a gift? Your personality, your style, your story, your uniqueness. The very things that you think are too different, too strange, too weird, won't make you fit in. Those are the very things. I'm telling you, I'm a testimony of it today. Those things are what God will use to help out other people, to bring you influence, to raise your voice up. And yes, to bring other people around you and even bring you a community. You touched on an important point, Dave, that I would do every time I went somewhere new. Still do it today. When I graduated high school. As I said, boldness was arising up in me and I was starting to learn who I was and there was that transformation. So I got bold. I moved like 1,100 miles down south to South Florida for college where I knew nobody. Hmm. So there were some fears there, of course. But I prayed. I said, God, I just pray that you just bring me a couple friends. Just bring me some people that I can click with. And he did. Wasn't a huge group at that time, but it was a quality group. Mm -hmm. And then from South Florida, I move up here to North Florida, where we're talking now here in Pensacola, Florida. Yep, beautiful Pensacola, Florida. That's right. And it was an eight to nine hour drive up the road. I didn't know anybody up here either. I came to take a job to help out an organization at the time. I knew nobody. And I was afraid again. But I said, okay, God got me through back then. He got me through before. God will do it again. And I prayed. Just a simple prayer, Lord, bring me friends. And within a couple days, I met one of my best friends, still best friend to this day. We talk all the time. And so God will do that. And it starts out with just a simple prayer. Mm -hmm. Just ask him. Pray. And then after that, 
Take the opportunities that he opens. You have to step through the door. He's not going to push you through. When God opens opportunities for you to connect with people, take those opportunities. So as we said, there is something you have to do, but it starts as simple as a prayer. Yep. A man who hath many friends must show himself friendly. That's right. You have to take that step. And Kyle, I don't know if you know this, but like I was introverted. I am so I didn't know shy. that. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. Huh. It wasn't until I was 17 and went cross country and saw the whole world wasn't yeah. like my hometown that I realized, dude, what are you doing? Just be you. Right. And I still struggle with that. Like people don't understand. Like when I go to a party or an event, even restaurants sometimes, I just want to go alone and be like by myself, <laughs> or, like have <laughs> two or three friends. Yeah. I am not that guy. So if you're listening, listen, God loves you and God has a sense of humor because two of the most introvert guys, yeah. if you could actually see who we are, we have some of the most public ministry, you could call it public careers. I remember seriously being afraid to speak publicly at any mm -hmm. level, even to stand up in class. And in college, I got this crazy idea that I know was God led, but it's take a voice class uh, and you know what's crazy about that yeah. i cannot sing i am terrible with directions and there's certain things in my life that's like dude absolutely i'm deficient in so i took a voice class with like 20 beautiful college girls <laughs> and me and like three other guys and embarrassed myself three times a week but when that class was mm -hmm. over, it's if you can embarrass yourself, yes. and I still teach my clients this and my friends, find out what you're terrible at yeah. and go do it. That's true. And then That's when you're so done, true. you're so calloused and beat that up true. that you you're can do anything. To it. You're like, you'll do anything at that point. Yeah. Now, so yeah. now I am still getting nervous when I speak, <laughs> but man, I can do it. That's right. Yeah. So for you... It's crazy we're sitting here and you're on video and you're on audio and you speak nationally and even internationally and we're both two guys who would stay in the corner and type on a computer if we Oh could. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean I'm energized most when I'm by myself really. Yeah. I mean that's a classic introvert. Yeah. But I actually now will take opportunities to speak the more people the better to me now. Yeah. Because God has risen me out of that and helped me overcome all of those insecurities that once held me back. So let's do this. Let's stop here. Another key point for our listeners, people like us listening right now, how do you overcome it? The Bible says a man you know, who has many friends must show himself friendly. Right. It also says, greet thy friends by name. You know, there's a big deal with the, like Dale Carnegie would say, the sweetest sound someone can hear is the it's name. their own name. Yeah. So for you as an introvert and for our <laughs> listeners as introverts, how do you break free from that? How do you, how do you make it happen? There was a couple practical things that I learned and I was intentional about I wanted to figure this stuff out because one thing that I really didn't enjoy doing was small talk. Mm -hmm. I think every introvert hates that. And feel going like you're to a dinner. Time. Yeah, I feel like you're wasting time. And often I just thought I wouldn't even say things or ask questions because I thought, well, those are stupid questions. Yeah. Well, what's the purpose? Things that would be conversation starters for everybody else. And so I just kind of sit there feeling awkward. Yeah, and if you're listening and you don't know what we're talking about, you're not an introvert. That's right. Because as an introvert, you're thinking, let's do something with purpose. Let's help each other. Let's solve problems. Right, right. You're like, I don't want to talk about something stupid. Now, it's not that we don't care about you. It's just, that's just not how you're wired naturally. So that's how did right. you break free from this? I just learned the art of asking questions. 
One thing, just as you said, the sweetest sound to somebody is their own name. So I try to, when I'm first meeting somebody, first it helps me remember their name, but also it gets you on good rapport with them is to repeat their name and to call them by name. The other thing is, is instead of trying to be interesting, be interested. Nice. Ask them about their life. That's the thing that people like to talk about the most is themselves. So I just learned really how to ask questions about their life. And that kind of ends up being the small talk. It makes them feel good. Mm -hmm. It keeps the conversation going. And hopefully if they're a good communicator, they'll ask you questions in return and you'll just go back and forth. But don't set yourself up for Don't set yourself up for that. That's right. I said hopefully if they are. Eight or nine times. But most aren't. Yep, eight that's or nine, what I learned. Eight it's, or yeah. nine times out of ten, people won't. So that's don't right. get your feelings hurt. That's right. And I had to learn that. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm just okay. Oftentimes, I'll, I'll sit with new people, and you know, I'll leave thinking, well, you know, they just talked about themselves the whole time. But it's because I opened that up. I've had conversations where I've just listened. Yep. And people walk in. That's the best conversation I've had in months. Like, I talked like three words. How are I, you? I've had the same thing. But that's a trick, and that's that's. It is something that is it's so easy to do if you're an introvert because it doesn't really require a whole lot from you except just to be interested. And you do care. Yeah, and you, you do are care. Listening. It's not manipulation. It's not anything like that. But you do care. And it is just a way to break the ice and to keep conversation flowing and to keep it flowing for a while in some cases. Yeah, and be genuine. Whatever you're doing, be genuine. Be real. We're not telling you to be fake and just ask questions and no. nod your head. We're not telling you to be like Charlie Sheen from Two and a Half Men. Right. We're, we're telling yeah. you to legitimately ask questions that you're interested in. That's right. And listen, and ask follow-up questions. And, and, and that's what I've learned too is when they're talking... Whereas I used to think if they would say something that I didn't understand or I need clarity, I pre-process things in my mind before I say them. Usually that helps me out. Not always, but... And then I'll think, oh, I'm not going to ask that because that would be stupid. That was where I was coming at with all oh, those are stupid questions. But now I'm like, if it pops into my mind practically, I'll ask them, well, what do you mean about that? Mm-hmm. Well, what, is, what does this do? What do you do in your job here? What does this role mean? What is, you know? And so there's nothing kind of too shallow Mm-hmm. That, that I won't ask them. And that just keeps things flowing and helps me, as I said, as an introvert. All right. So that's great advice. If you're an introvert, you're struggling to form relationships, ask questions, listen, use a person's first name. What else would you suggest? Well, I would say that the next thing after that, and this is something that I continue to work on in my life is is building that relationship beyond just the first meeting. My personality is, if I'm not careful, is that I'll go to the very next thing in my life and I'll kind of forget about who I met and what happened. So I have to be very intentional about following up with people and just saying, hey, just sending that text message, say, just casual stuff, just building that relationship. Mm-hmm. Just casual conversation, find things that they're interested in, notice things from their talk, notice things from what they're wearing, just whether it's sports teams, whether it's TV shows, just various things that can help build that relationship, build that rapport, just build that human connection with people. Yeah, man, Kyle's so right. If you're listening and this isn't making sense, 
just trust us on this one. <laughs> just do it. Just do Try it. it. Um, I'm thinking j- just one of my, I really consider the man a close friend. Now, based on statistics, based on like environment, based on every aspect of social relations, this gentleman and I shouldn't be friends. But man, one day I'm walking out of a ballpark and I see this guy with his son and they're both smiling. I just said hi, struck up a conversation. Professionally, we had something in common. So we're like, hey, can I get your business card? You know, like we switch business cards. When I went there and met with him, there was not any interest mm. in the professional. Mm-hmm. Man, he loved his son, and that stuck out to me. Yeah. And he talked about his son, and his son was super into baseball. Yeah. And then about a month later, I'm shopping which with my wife, which I hate doing shopping. <laughs> yeah. And we're at a thrift store, which is even worse. Oh, yeah, that's the worst. Like, yeah. or no, I don't know, this antique store, thrift yeah. store. To me, it's all junk. All the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah it I seems want, that way. Yeah. Sorry if you like that stuff. But, <laughs> but I just don't like that. Well, I see this old, wrapped up, baseball like background for a wall like i know they're usually pretty expensive and it was brand new unused and i thought i bet his son would like that so i just bought it it's like 15 bucks and i gave it to him like hey man just thought of you your son i just wanted you to have this no strings attached anything that literally opened the door to such a great relationship yeah and to this day after this interview i'm meeting with him this afternoon and we're friends and we hang out and we share life together. So it's crazy exactly what you're saying. Listen, find something they're interested in, find something they care about, and take the time to go out of your comfort zone. That's right. And you know what? We all, most of us, you're listening to me. You have probably a smartphone. You have a $1,000 computer <laughs> that could launch a rocket to yeah. Mars. Put the freaking birthday in the phone. Such a good tip there. Put notes about when you meet somebody. Yes. There's a note section. Yes. Open up your contacts. Put has a wife named Bertha. Yes. Has a dog named Sam. Likes toast with jelly. Put those notes in there. It's not cheating. It's helping us remember important facts about our friends. That's what I do professionally when I'm, you know, I run a ministry and so we have donors. And I like to call my donors and thank them for their generosity. And I take notes on the phone call. Mm -hmm. Because first of all, I want to go back to those notes so I know how I can pray for them. But when I call them back, I mean, if I'm calling so many people, when I call that person back, I want them to feel special so that I remember their prayer request some a year later if I call them back. So I can ask them and say, hey, how did this situation turn out that I prayed for some months ago? Mm-hmm. And that just builds a connection and it builds, it builds a relationship and it makes them feel special. Mm-hmm. Make people feel special and that will go so far towards your relationship and towards what people think about you and how they talk about you yep. and relate to you. And it's gen- again, just because you're keeping notes doesn't mean it's ingenuine. It's genuine. You care. Just we have so much going on, we can't remember. That's right. So use the tools God's given and us. That, that goes back to your point about being serious about this stuff. And I think that's what that means, is it's not a manipulation trick, as I said. Yep. It's, it's not cheating. It means that 
you have gotten beyond being so self-absorbed and thinking about yourself all the time that you are actually taking notes, that you are actually listening to what somebody else is saying because you care about them. I think that shows the ultimate that you care about somebody is when you're willing to take that extra effort and do those things. Mm -hmm. I I agree 100%. I have wives, wives. I have lists (laughs) for my wife, for my kids, for my friends. I use it in business. I mean, I remember one time I was in, I'm just gonna say Portland, Oregon, not gonna go any more specific than that. (laughs) And I'm crossing this giant intersection and across the intersection, I saw a guy and I'm like, I know him. And all I remembered at that moment with 50 million things going through my head was I know him and he's with this organization. So I went yeah. into my phone, I typed in that organization, went through the 18 names I had, boom, that's him. I'm gonna call him Bob. That's Bob. Looked at the notes, I'm like, hey Bob, what's going on? And it lit his face mm-hmm. up in the middle of a crosswalk in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. So listen, everybody, wants two things i believe they want to be loved and they want to feel special right i don't think there's one human on the planet that doesn't have those needs and the real definition of love is god that's where all the true fulfillment joy peace comes from that's right but we also are given each other to share to help get in in an unweird way (laughs) to love each other right right yeah i'm not going down that road you know what i mean (laughs) but but it's huge and to make someone feel special man I tell my kids this all the time. I'm like, we get beat up all day, every day by people trying to take advantage of us, by people just being negative, by people in situations that are hostile. I'm like, let's just be nice to each other. Yeah. Yeah. That's why so much of the ministry God's given me and what I do, there's a lot of encouragement in there. I've got my bold times and I'll speak very freely and openly uh, and directly when I need to, of course. But I think people are walking into our lives, they're walking into our churches, and they're asking, will you love me? Yep. And I think what Christ is asking us to do is wherever they are, whoever they are, is to love them in that place and let him do the changing from there. Mm-hmm. But just love, just as I said, if you love them, love them. But no, let's do that. Let's talk about your ministry, but let's, let's fill the gap in. So we went through, you're introverted, starting going to this youth group, your life changed, you trusted Christ, you start moving, you go to South Florida for college, you get some good friends, you move up to Pensacola, you meet friends here, mm-hmm. and then your career's building at this point professionally, but you're working for a ministry. So between there and now, fill in any gaps you want. <laughs> yeah. where you that's think a that, big span, but I'll that, give... That's a big span, but where yeah. do you think, where's God leading you right now to share with the listeners that's going to help you continue to heal and grow? What's going to help the listeners heal and grow? Where, that's where we're at right now. It's, well, at every major step that was going to be another change in my life, there was something that I had to face and overcome. I've heard people say before, and I like how it's put, new level, new devil. I've never heard that. There's just every new level that you're going to face, there's probably going to be some sort of new devil that you're going to have to overcome to get to that next level. And so, just as I said, from moving to college far away, I had to overcome something. From moving from South Florida up to here to to start my kind of ministry career, there was things I had to overcome there. And largely that was behind the scenes kind of ministry stuff. And then God starts to elevate me. And I start to have a voice and more of a public presence. And he calls me to step out to do my own thing, which is ultimately what I'm doing now some seven or so years later. But at that point, 
when God called me out into my own ministry and to leave the behind the scenes and now have a voice and have a presence that was kind of on the front lines of things. There was that new devil that showed up. And suddenly I started to be reminded of my every sin since potty training. <laughs> I started to be reminded of every word that was ever spoken against me, every reason why I shouldn't be able to do this, every re reason why I can't do this, why it was impossible, why I don't have the right personality, why I don't have this, why I'm too much of this and I'm too little of that. Every reason in the book. And that's where I had to go back once again. I can't stress this enough. I had to go back to looking at what God says about me and to looking at his truths that old things had passed away, all things were made new, that I am the righteousness of Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5.21, and to build my confidence in his truths. To know that I'm not my past. I'm not what people said about me. God's word is my reality. Things that I had learned back when I was 16 in that new church that I found myself in. Mm -hmm. But now I had to go back to that foundation. And I had to step out and overcome all of those lies and all those insecurities and accusations that were being launched out at me telling me I can't do what God is asking me to do because of thus and so. And I had to say, no, shut up, devil. He who knew no sin took on my sin. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things are made new. I'm not a slave to fear, but I am a child of God. And I had to talk to myself like that. Mm -hmm. It was a mental warfare for a little while there. Mm -hmm. As I was saying, okay, God has called me to do this. I'm stepping out. I'm going to do this. I had to encourage myself in the Lord using his truth. And that's when I came up with what really was the launching point of the ministry God's given me today. And that was the Shut Up Devil app. Well, let's pause here for one second, because <laughs> that's, that's where we're going to go and pick up after this quick break. So we're talking about living in Pensacola. We're talking with Kyle and he's sharing his story and he brought us up to this point where he launches the Shut Up Devil app. Awesome app. I personally got it and used it. So after this quick break, we're gonna talk about that and continue with the conversation. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Dave Pasqualone, host of the Remarkable People podcast, and I am excited to introduce you to today's sponsor. The episode is brought to us by Pam Heinold, realtor and broker associate with Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate, Pensacola, Florida. When my wife and I moved to Pensacola years ago, we were looking for a qualified real estate professional to help us find our new home. We had two kids, a new career, and not a lot of time. And having moved eight times in 10 years all over the country, we've experienced many, many realtors buying and selling homes at this point. So after moving to Pensacola and interviewing several agents, it was clear to both of us that Pam was the right choice. Her experience, credentials, knowledge, and skills truly are remarkable. And because of that, she's a top producer in the area year after year. Now, I understand that you only care about your home and what makes your life special and great. But that's just it. What makes Pam special is her ability to listen to you, understand what you want, 
and find you exactly what you're looking for so you have that greatness. If you're somewhere in the world right now looking for a primary residence, a vacation home, a rental investment, or anything else, call Pam. She can help you. She's easy to work with, and she'll help you find your dream home or even just a cool place to come and visit a couple times a year. You can surf, paddleboard, kayak, swim with the dolphins, parasail, whatever you can think of, we have it down here in the beautiful Pensacola Bay Area. So check out pamheinel.com. That's P-A-M-H-E-I-N-O-L-D.com. Or call her office at 850-232-2332. And when you call, make sure you tell her Dave said hi. Creationtoday.org is a ministry website that answers all questions about creation, the origin of man, the how did the universe start, and what happens when we die. And what I think is the best part of Creation Today is it's not just a website. It's a website that brings together hundreds of authors, hundreds of scientists, hundreds of speakers, and they have these blogs that you can read and learn from and news articles are scientifically proven. Videos and podcasts that are entertaining as well as educational. And e-courses that are very inexpensive but can really help you grow. So creationtoday.org is an awesome resource for someone looking to understand life. What's their purpose? Why am I here? And how do I get saved? Or what is saved? For the answer to these questions and more, check out creationtoday.org. All right, man. So, we're back. Tell us about your app. God's app. (laughs) Like I said, I'm getting ready to step out into my own ministry. All the insecurities, all the fears, all the reasons why shouldn't, couldn't, wouldn't, popping up in my mind, trying to hold me back. I'm having to go back to the truths of God's Word. At this point, I had learned to carry them on me. Mm -hmm. I'd write out His truths on note cards that related to the things that I was dealing with. So if it was fear, it was 2 Timothy 1.7. I've not been given a spirit of fear, but I have love, power, and a sound mind. Mm -hmm. I keep those things on me so that I would renew my mind with them, speak them out loud, declare them out loud, to keep myself built up that I can do what God's asking me to do. It was a source of boldness for me. So devil's advocate here. But Kyle, come on. Do you really need to speak truth to yourself? Do you really need to write it down and read cards while you brush your teeth? Absolutely, because... (laughs) That's sarcasm. If you can't pick up on it through the mic. (laughs) But people think that way. You have to. People are not going to do it for you. Yep. But we're hearing constant negative, 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 negative. We need the positive. We We, need the truth. You have to have it. You have to have it. And now psychology actually says that you believe more of what you hear yourself say even than what you hear yourself think. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm so big on speaking it. And the Bible speaks this truth. Faith comes by hearing and hearing from the Word of God. So to build yourself up, Mm -hmm. if somebody's not going to speak it into you, which most people aren't, you've got to do it yourself. As I said earlier, David encouraged himself in the Lord. So find God's truth. There's a lot of great things God has to say about you. And think on those things, speak on those things, keep those things running through your mind and your mouth at all time. And so the way that I did it at the beginning is I had note cards on me. But I realized that I would get lazy about it or I would just leave them and that doesn't do any good. 
So I thought, this is where my technology background comes into play here. Yeah. My mind starts spinning. I thought, wouldn't it be nice to have God's truths personalized in a way that speaks directly to me on me at all times in a way to remind me to keep my mind and my mouth running his truths. And I thought, an app. And this is when apps were not common. This right, right. Onset. This was kind of the frontier of it all. Yeah. It, it was new to this. And so a mobile app could have a reminder system built in it. And of course, a catalog that was categorized by just about every issue humans face. Loneliness, insecurity, rejection, lust, you know, all, addiction, all kinds of stuff. That would, when you click through it, have a truth from God's word that's personalized to you. So I had it built out. And the name even came up to me pretty quickly. Is what, what would that kind of thing be? Well, if there's all kinds of nagging accusations and condemnations and fears and insecurities that are always whispering in your mind that are ultimately rooted in the enemy, and you're using God's word to confront those things like Jesus did when the enemy spoke to him in the wilderness, the best thing to do is just to say, shut up, devil. But that's so offensive, Kyle. Well, <laughs> he's, he's not afraid to come after you with all his negativity. Wait, what did Jesus say? Get thee behind me, Satan? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, guys, listen, if, if that <laughs> offends right. you, you need to toughen your skin. I'm going to say it. I'll be the bad guy. I'm not advocating for you to tell other people to shut up necessarily, <laughs> but I think you can tell the devil to shut up. Yeah, the person who caused all of our pain That's and problems. Right. Yeah, I think can... he can handle a good shut up. And I think I always joke that when Jesus was using God's word against the enemy, because that's what he did there in Matthew 4, I think it is, when Jesus, after he's been fasting for 40 days and he's weak and he's famished and the enemy comes to tempt him and, and convince him to do things or not to do things, or he uses God's word ultimately to silence Satan. And so I say in the Greek, that was shut up devil. Yeah. And the enemy fled. That's yeah. what God's word did. And so that's what God's word I found in my life over all of the years did for my insecurities and my rejections. It shut the enemy up and it built confidence in who God said that I am. And so that was a crucial time for me. I had the app made for me. Mm -hmm. And surprise, surprise, a lot of other people face similar things. And it's helped now. I think a few hundred thousand people have downloaded the app up to this point. Right. And it's been on all the major Christian TV networks and things like that. So God has really breathed on it. And it's helping a lot of people. Oh, absolutely. And if you... I'm going to put in the show notes a link to the app so you can click on and download. And you have it for, I know, iPhone and Android, correct? That's right. That's so right. both platforms you have it. And again, I didn't go into the credentials at the beginning, but I mean, Kyle, he speaks for TBN and the 700 Club and all sorts of different platforms in the Christian circles. He has, you know, a Master of Divinity in Bible study. But there's one thing that, I mean, I've never heard this preached and I don't want to ever speak heresy, but you tell me what your thoughts on this. When Satan was being tempted in the Garden of Gethsemane, I mean, when Jesus, Satan, when yeah. Jesus was being tempted yeah. by Satan in the Garden right. of Gethsemane. I got you. I'm following. Yeah. All three times he was tempted, he verbally came back with Scripture and Satan fled. That's right. So there is power in speaking truth. Yeah. And, and I go through that. I've written a couple books, Silent Satan, Activating the Power of God's Word, which is really I hone in on teaching why. It's not your words that have power. It's God's words that have power, but they're spoken through you. Absolutely. And where I was going with this, though, is on one of the temptations of Satan is it says in a moment 
he was showing the nations of the world. Like in Satan saying, you could have all this. That's right. But this is where I always went with it. And tell me if I'm wrong. But they didn't have the internet. They didn't have TV. <laughs> no. I believe Satan put the thoughts in his head. And real fast, yeah. Jesus saw everything. And that's what he does. And that's what he does. So yeah. in the Bible, Satan could put thoughts in Jesus' you know, in head and show things. And just like he can do to us today. But the difference is, you know, I had a guest a couple weeks ago say, you can't, how did he phrase it? I don't want to butcher it. It's so beautiful. <laughs> you can't stop a bird from landing in your hair, right. but you can keep him from making a nest. That's exactly right. And when sand puts a thought in your head, he can do that to everybody. But Jesus kicked them out immediately, and that's what we need to do. And, and that's and what that's your Satan, what, shut up Satan app does. That's what it does. Yeah, you cannot keep every thought from entering your head. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to swallow those thoughts and get them into you. See, that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants you to entertain those thoughts, mm -hmm. swallow them, digest them so that he can send his deceit and insecurity and all of those feelings and fears all throughout you to affect the rest of your life. There's a popular quote. I write about it in Activating the Power of God's Word, but it goes, watch your thoughts because they become your words. Watch your words because they become your actions. Watch your actions because they become your habits. Watch your habits because they become your character. Watch your character because it becomes your destiny. So what starts in the mind goes through the mouth and then trickles down to affect the rest of you. Mm -hmm. So what you have to do so it doesn't come out of you and go through the rest of you is you have to kick that thought out as soon as it comes in. You have to evict those thoughts. Don't let them take up residence in your mind. And you do that by confronting them with truth. The father of lies has no power when the truth of the father, Father God, is present. Mm -hmm. That's what you do. Whatever thought it is, whatever feeling it is, as I said, insecurity, fear of rejection, if it's lust, loneliness, struggle, whatever, find truth related to that issue the bible has it for just about everything yeah i'm and pretty get that i believe truth personally your mind everything. in your mouth yeah i agree speak completely. it out loud it will do wonders i promise and i agree completely so let's continue in the journey you launch this app and of course you mentioned i loved it you said seven years later <laughs> Yeah. So you went and you followed God. It was instant success and no. money and wealth and <laughs> notoriety and ease, right? I've been shutting the devil up all along the way, let me tell you. <laughs> but no, but I, people have this, this uh, mis... Oh, what's the word? How, how would I say it? They believe a lie. They yes. think if I'm doing what God says, it'll be easy and everything will fall in my lap. So then I quit when it doesn't happen that way. And I am very careful to tell people that it is not the case. <laughs> exactly. Because I don't want to set them up for failure. I went into this stuff just as you said, thinking various lies that, oh, instantly everything's just going to be a success and I'm going to have all these speaking engagements and the videos are just going to get 5 million views overnight. And it just most of the time doesn't mm -hmm. happen that way. Yep. You have to be intentional and it's little by little. There's a scripture even, I can't think of it offhand, but where God is telling his people as he's going up against some other nations or they're going up against other nations, he says, little by little, I will drive them out. Mm. And that's often how you, you beat the battles, how you find the success, all the things that we desire in life is it happens little by little. It's one foot 
after the other. It's one obedience after the other. And then eventually, you often don't realize it in the process, but you look back and you realize how far you've come. Huh? Consistent forward progress. Yes. Consistent yeah. forward And progress. now, seven years later, I'm looking back and I'm saying, you know, I've made some progress here. Along the way, sometimes I felt like, is anything growing? <laughs> and now, sitting here talking, I can praise God, really, because, yes, the work paid off. It's paying off. Of course, there's more to do. Mm-hmm. But God has made it happen in His timing. I just had to be obedient to Him. And I had to wake up in the morning and do things, especially when I didn't feel like doing them. Wait, so are you saying fact over feeling? <laughs> yes. Oh, goodness. If I, if I had to feel everything before I did it, I wouldn't do anything. Yeah, we'd be binge-watching binge Netflix and getting yes. fat. But real growth and progress happens when you do something, especially when you don't feel like it. The hardest machine to work to get into that gym is the door. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. It's, that's the hardest. I, most of the time I try to go to the gym every morning. It's just a discipline that I have, I have learned has been very helpful in my life. But most of the days I do not want to get out of bed and do that. But the progress mm-hmm. has come because I did it when I didn't feel like it. And the progress in this ministry and where God has taken me has come by doing it, by writing, by speaking, by recording the videos, by, you know, everything. Doing it when I was down, when I was insecure, mm-hmm. when I was fearful, doing it afraid if I had to. There's a story I often tell Elizabeth Elliot, maybe some of you know of her. She was the wife of missionary Jim Elliot. He was killed by a tribe he was evangelizing. After his death, she was struck with fear, as you can imagine, but God called her back to that same people group. And she was so afraid to go back. Would she face the same fate that he did? And finally, a friend of her spoke to her very matter-of-factly and said, maybe you just have to do it afraid. <laughs> Great and advice. that's what I've had to do. That's what you're probably going to have to do, too. If you're going to do anything worthwhile, you might just have to do it afraid. You can have butterflies in your stomach, shaking legs, knots, but just do it. The fears will work themselves out over time. Agree 100%. That's great, godly, biblical advice. So thank you, Kyle. Um, People are sitting there now and thinking like, oh, man, I know what God's calling me to do, but I'm afraid. You know, like, okay, I agree with what he's saying, but I've done so many things contrary to this, and I've literally, honestly worked against myself Mm -hmm. For so long, I'm buried. I mean, it seems impossible. What's? How do I even start at this point? I've made such a mess of my life. Where do I go from here? Well, you're going to have to start with the belief and who God says that you are. That all things are made new and in an instant, things are changed. It doesn't mean there's not going to be memories from the past, from the regrets, from the mistakes, from the things that people said about you, but those things can lose their influence when you are convinced. I know I'm maybe beating this horse to death a little bit, but when you are convinced in what God says about you, and the only way you do that is by diligently getting into His Word and into His truths. And then you have to do, as I just said, you have to take that step 
and you have to do it afraid. Take small steps. You know, you're, you, you can't wait to feel like it. You can't wait to sit on your couch and have seven angels and a vision appear to you and say, go do this. You're never, that's never going to happen. If it does, you might need medical help. Yes, that's right. That's right. And sometimes you just have to step out to find out. Mm -hmm. A lot of where I am today, I found on a path of discovery. It was a path of trying things. Trying things, as I've been saying, afraid, but I tried things. And from there, I learned what resonates with me, what God breathed upon, what worked with me, what people resonated with, mm -hmm. and the things that didn't. And that has honed the way. So wherever you are and whatever you've done, know that God loves you. It's a new day for you. And listen, if God has called you to something, there's no devil in hell. There's no past that's too big. There's no person that stands in your way that's too big. That God won't get you through if you're willing to go through it and step through it. And so don't be afraid. He might just actually use those things you went through. Flip them on their heads. You know, Jesus was known for turning tables. And he still does that today. He will take the things. He did it in my life. All those things the enemy was saying, God can't use you. You're too much of this. You're too little of that. You're too dirty. You're too messed up. You've made a mess of this life. You can't change that. No, God will take the things the devil meant for your defeat flip them on their heads and use them to defeat the devil instead. And the way he does that is he'll use your story to help somebody else out who might be going through something that you went through. Yep. Don't be afraid of opening your mouth and letting God use your story. If you had to go through it, if you made a mess of it, if the devil tried to use it, then hey, utilize it and turn it into your ministry and your message and use it to help somebody. It's the best way of overcoming shame. It's the best way of overcoming fear. It takes a pin to the pressure. It takes a pin to the shame. And it helps other people relate to you as well, which is one of the best forms of ministry. Yeah, and whether you're 16 or 86, it's not how you start life, it's how you finish. That's right. So if you screwed up the whole time, Get back up and try again. Just man falls seven times and rises up again. So if this is your 59 millionth mistake and choice that was bad, all right, make a good one right now. Start moving forward. That's right. I mean, you could go through all the scripture and you'll see just about every Bible hero that's in there <laughs> had to overcome something from the past, even something from the present. They had physical difficulties, speaking difficulties, they did horrible things in their past. I mean, goodness, look at the apostles. Look at Jesus' disciples. They denied him. Mm -hmm. They fell asleep when he was praying. There were all kinds of things. They persecuted Christians. And yet in an instant, when God said it was their time, it was their time. And they rose up and nothing from their past could hold them back. Very true words. All right. So you launched this app. It's been seven years. You're, oh, it's been longer than seven years now, but we in the storyline, we brought through seven years. You transitioned from full-time employment to self-employment. Yeah. And that's scary, right? Yes. Talk. Every step of this was something, was a fear that had to be overcome. Yeah, and I'm sure there was moments where in your head, you're like, 
Am I making the right decision? Should I just get a full-time job? Should I oh, just... yeah. I've wanted to quit probably three or 400 times <laughs> and gotten really close. You hear that, people? You're not the only one. <laughs> you know, and if you're listening... Many times. Many extreme highs and extreme lows. That's what one evangelist when I first started, youth evangelist, speaks to big conferences. And he's been in this for 20-some years. Mm -hmm. And he said, people that do what we do, we will face extreme highs and extreme lows. And I'm not immune to that. Yep. And that's why I have to stay planted in God's truths. Yeah, every day. Every single day. Yep, the days that I have the most issues is the day I don't spend time with God. Yeah. When I was a teenager, I used to end my day every day. Like, I talked to God throughout the day. Sure. I really would. I'd pray. I'd, you know, try to do all the right things. But at the end of the day is when I spent my time with God. Mm -hmm. I'd unload the day. I'd read my Bible. I'd pray and read, pray and read back and forth. And that worked for me then really well. But now, as an adult, man, i got to start my day yeah. with God. Me too. Do you feel that way? Yeah. I completely, about a decade ago, I completely changed my routine. I used to hate mornings. Yeah. Everything I did, including my time with God, Bible reading, all of that was in the evening. Mm -hmm. And I'd sleep till, you know, when I didn't have a job or on a weekend, I'd sleep till noon if I could mm -hmm. or later. But finally, I got disciplined. Like I said, the gym was a big part of that. I got disciplined in one area and that kind of helped me in other areas. But now I wake up at like four or five. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying this is a recipe for everyone, but I treasure that part of the day. Yeah. Where I wake up and I have that first hour or so and I have that for my devotional time. It's my writing time, some of my thinking time. Mm -hmm. Then I get into the gym after that and then I go on with the day after that. But I will not. I could. I work for myself so I could get up whenever I want to. If I, you know, <laughs> I could make my own schedule. But now a decade later, it is still very important for me to spend that first fruits of the day with the Lord. Yeah, and that's a interesting, you made, I mean, that, everything you said I agree with, there's a couple of interesting terms you use, like the first fruits of the day. People usually think tithing. Yeah. And they think I give 10% to be thankful to God for what he's given me. I keep 90, he's just asking for 10. And it's not like he needs the wealth. Right. It's that he just wants you to acknowledge his goodness. Right. But there was a point in my life where I said, well, if today's a gift, you know, we call it the present. Yeah. Every breath I take is from God. Why don't I tie my time? Yeah. And you just mentioned that. What, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, we are the Lord's. Our bodies are a temple, and every part of us is the Lord's. But we think we just punch our clock. In, in America, the overwhelming, whatever denomination you are, as you show up for the service, you punch your clock, you quote-unquote try to do the right things during the week, and everything's good. Talk about that for a minute. Well, you look all throughout Scripture, and there is something of great importance that God puts on the first of things. Dedicate the firstborn. Give the first 10%, your first fruits. And so in time, I think that there's something there too. I'm always very careful not to create a law out of anything. I don't want somebody to listen to this and say, oh, I don't do that, so I must be wrong and put themselves into condemnation and all kinds of things yes. like that. Yes. But I'm just saying that I've experienced in my life and maybe God shows you something different. If that's fine, if there's a different way that you do things, whatever. But in my life, I have found that there is something very special about giving God the first part of my day, the first part of the things that I do. And he ends up maximizing that and maximizing the rest of my day. Right. It's just, you know, if I spend two hours with God and I might 
fear at the time. Oh man, that's going to be two hours of less of productivity that I could have. Well, then the next six hours that I am productive, God just doubles practically. And I don't know how he does it necessarily, but I know that he doesn't. He does it with your finances. He does it with anything that you give to him. He ends up making a whole lot more out of it than you could have ever if you were striving and whatever on your own. So I'm just, I try to be as dedicated as I can to offering the first of things to God. And I just encourage people to try it. Uh, I absolutely echo that, 100%. The other thing you said that listeners, people don't like this, but your friends tell you what you need to hear, not what you <laughs> want to hear, is we all have strengths. We all have weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Most of our weaknesses are based on choice. Right. Some experience a lot of choice. And what I mean by that is this, and I'm going to use a physical analogy. If I go to the gym, we all who go to the gym, there's exercises we love. Majority of them, we just do. But then there's always a few exercises you hate. Yes. And you make every excuse to ignore them. Oh, I'm out of time. Yes. Or, oh, somebody's on the machine or this, that. Yep. But usually the ones you hate are the ones you need to do the most. Right. So some people are physical individuals and working out. Yeah, man, I'm all for it. Some people are like, no, I don't want to work out. But you mentioned how that was a catalyst for the other areas of your life. Right. And people think, well, physical's one and spiritual's one and relational's one, but no, they're all combined. Right. Talk about the importance of the just integrated holistic being God made us yeah, to be. We are body, mind, and soul. And your soul means your mind, your will, and your emotions. So that's mm-hmm. kind of a fleshly part of you, and your spirit is what you connect with God with. But it's all, God created it all to work together. Mm-hmm. And so how you affect one or what affects one ends up affecting. The other, if you are not keeping yourself in good shape, I promise you, your lack of discipline with your body will affect your spiritual disciplines. Mm-hmm. And if you get your spiritual disciplines right, that will trickle down and that will make you want to have a better physical discipline as well. So it ends up all connecting. But I just found in the idea of discipline that if I can get one area disciplined in my life, that usually helps me with everything else. Mm-hmm. So I found as I got my time with when I wake up and my physical going to the gym, as I got that disciplined, and as we talked about earlier, doing it when I didn't feel like it, that helped me for when I needed to write a chapter in one of my books and I didn't feel like writing it. I like, okay, I got to go down. I got to conquer this blank page. Mm -hmm. Waking up at certain times, going certain places, making that phone call, whatever it was, I learned how to conquer that feeling of not wanting to do it by conquering it in one area of my life. Because this is the same fundamental fundamental core truth right. you can use in any That's application. Right. Yeah. That's good it's stuff. It's so practical. Yeah. So people who are fit, it's easy to go to the gym and force yourself to take... Well, it's not easy. You know what I mean? Right. What I'm saying is you can physically go to the gym, pick up weights, and make yourself work. Yeah. But the more effort you put in, the more results you get. Right. But mentally, same principle, right? Yeah. Well, and a lot of getting into the gym for a lot of people is a mental thing. I mean, absolutely. It's more conquering your mind than anything else. Yes, because physically doing it. But I guess the illustration I'm talking about is you can physically see your body change. Right. But you can't see your mind change. True. But we should still always be growing mentally. 
learning, reading, applying. So what Kyle and I are talking about, the fundamental of not feeling it, but you go to the get up at 4.30 and go to the gym for Kyle, that discipline is what he did to grow physically. But for all of us, the same thing likewise, he talked about writing. He had to have that discipline to write on a schedule. And I forget, who was a f- famous author? Do you remember? They said, if I ever waited till I felt like writing, I would never have written a page. <laughs> Not a book, I would never have written a page. Right. It's so, it's very true. Yeah. So you just have to schedule time and make it happen. It's big. Most of the time, I don't like writing, but I love having written. Yeah. I don't like going to the gym. But, but I, like... I love having worked out. Yep. The reward that you get after the effort you put in is worth all the pain and suffering that you went through in the process. Yep. In the resources that I create, we'll film things and record things. And sometimes that can get to be, believe it or not, drudgery. I mean, I can think I really do not want to put in the discipline to write out this message, to outline it, to get it down, to record it, all that goes into something. But I always love having the finished product. Yes. And how that can be timeless and it can go out and it can reach and impact people so the rewards are worth it. So keep your mind focused on those rewards. That's it. That'll help you get through. All right, Kyle. Bring us to today. Where is Kyle today? What's going on in your life? Well, today I am, I think, as we said, seven years in now of Kyle Winkler Ministries. It's a media and a teaching ministry where get to do various broadcasts, online television broadcasts, TV appearances, write books and articles, create resources like the apps, all to help people live in the victory of Jesus. I like to call myself a shame buster and a hope dealer. A hope dealer. (laughs) I just believe that whoever you are, wherever you are, God loves you and God can use you. And I want to help instill confidence in people in the same to overcome all the things that try to hold you back from being used by God. So he's really blessed it now. And he's using me, taking me different places. And I just praise God. There's nothing more. There's nothing more rewarding to me. There's no greater honor and privilege in my life to be able to do what God has gifted me to be able to do today. And that's to speak into people's lives and to help them and to really redeem all of the years of suffering and pain that I went through to help somebody else out. The Bible gives a promise. He really spoke it to Israel. I believe it can transcend time and speak to you too. He will redeem the years and restore the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. So all the stuff that tried to keep you down and hold you back, Mm -hmm. God will restore those years if you'll give them to him and let him do something with them. He'll make them into something that you couldn't even imagine. And so really that is, praise God, what I'm seeing him do through my life and what I'm getting to do. We're just this year, particularly, I'm just really doubling down on the media, online media, creating videos. We do a weekly webcast you can get in on at kylewinkler.org slash live where i get to preach and pray with people and like i said going to different churches and speaking different television programs and so i'm just just determined that i'm going to keep moving forward until god tells me to stop or change course on something so that's kind of kind of what's going on in my life amen man uh, and I appreciate you being here today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Oh, yeah, dude. We just did this on normal talk on recording, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, okay, so we went through your past. You gave a lot of 
great content and information for people to dig themselves out of the hole that either they're in or they put themselves in. You've given them a contact, you know, all these will be in the show notes, ways to get a hold of you, resources you've put together that helped you to help other people, um, that will help the listener. But how can we help you? Where are you going? Like, what's your next goal? What's the next thing on the on the map for Kyle? That How can we help you? Well, come to my website, kylewinkler.org. Check out my articles. Check out my videos. And we're going to put some on my website, too, by the Perfect. way. Perfect. Download the Shut Up Devil app. It's a free app. Get it, iPhone or Android. And stay tuned in. Connect with me on my social media. Let me know if something that I've said or written has impacted you, of course, we all need encouragement, and that helps me stay encouraged. But as I said earlier, there's no greater joy in my life than just to know that I'm able to speak into you. So just having this opportunity, just you utilizing the resources, if they relate to you on some topic, really keeps me going, gives me joy, and that is my reward. So please, take advantage of the resources that I offer. That is one of the greatest things you can do for me. All right, we will do that, man. And yeah, if you're out there listening, content creators, speakers, authors, they put a lot of time into building these resources and the good ones care. They Like Kyle, he truly cares about you. So if you can take literally 30 seconds and write a comment or shoot him an email, you have no idea what it means to Kyle and guys oh, like us. The because world, yeah. at that moment we get the email, we might be literally about to quit and throw in the towel. And there have been those moments in my life. Yep. There have been those days I've woken up and I've said, God, I'm going to write my resignation letter to you if you don't show me a sign that somebody <laughs> is getting this. And that's not threatening God. You're just saying, I need help. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's being honest. Yeah. You know? It's just, Lord, come on. Yeah. And, and he's been faithful. There, yeah. There will be things that just people will send in and write to me that they would never know it. But yeah, it can literally be, man, that was really encouraging. Thank you. Yeah. But to us at that moment, it's Kept huge. me going. Yep, it is. And think about us. Think about your friends. Think about people at work. Just look around you for opportunities to encourage. And if you're an introvert and it's out of your comfort zone, Man, you could do it anonymously. Right. I mean, it, don't do it where they think you're a stalker or you're, <laughs> you're a secret. What is that? When somebody follows you and they're in love with you or whatever. Nothing like that. But man, you know, I saw your work today. It was a really great attitude. Thank you. It really encouraged me to be a better person. Whatever it is, just do it. Don't just think it. Do it. Some That's right. people it e- comes easy to, they have a gift of encouragement. Some of you, and it's not as easy. But please do it for not just Kyle and myself but do it for all those around you in the circle God's placed you in. Also, feel free to share this podcast. Feel free to share Kyle's information. We're not saying this just selfishly because we want to be more popular. The more you share it, the more you help people grow. The more you help people grow, the more they go, the more they change the world for Christ and they have joy and peace and so do others. So I don't think Kyle and I are in this for the money. That's for sure. (laughs) If it was, I'd be in a different industry. There are much faster ways to get popular, accepted, and rich than what I'm doing now. So that is not the motivation behind any of this, I promise. Exactly. This is literally ministry. We're here because we love God. We love you. If we can help you, please write. Please, you know, reach out to us. But other than that, Kyle, is there anything that's on your heart or mind that you want to talk about that we skipped or missed? No, I think we covered it. We, we went deeper than 
I've been able to go on most programs, Dave. So I appreciate you giving me that opportunity to really lay it out and take the time to do so. Oh man, we appreciate you. And truly for the listeners out there, I thank you. You are the reason we're doing this. I mean, we're doing this to help you. So hopefully it helped. If it didn't help, if it helped you, go on Apple and Google, leave me a five-star review, put a quick comment in there, take you 60 seconds max, and I appreciate it. If you can't give this a five-star review and you're like, Dave, you're not really helping me, this is what I need. Shoot me an email for my website. Go to the contact, connect page, shoot me an email and say, hey, dummy, do this better. This is what I need. This is what will connect. And that way we can be better. So that's it. Thank you for being here, Kyle. You truly are a remarkable man. And to all of you you listening, thank you. We love you. Have a great day. And go do something with your life for Christ. The Remarkable People Podcast. Check it out. The Remarkable People Podcast. Listen. Do. Repeat. For life.